0: Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Hey, what's going on Encounter family? Hope that this message finds you well and God is doing good things for you. I tell you, God's doing incredible things right here at our church and I know that you're going to be blessed from today's message. So we're going to just go ahead and dive right in. But before we do, I want you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I want you to give a thumbs up. I want you to like this. I want you to share it with a friend. And let's see what God can do when we collectively work together to spread the gospel. Now, let's go ahead and unpack today's talk. And we're going to go to the book of Mark, found in the New Testament. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52, and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It's going to get on the screen here for you. And we're going to unpack this today. And let's go ahead and read it. It says Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. "'Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me.' "'Be quiet,' many of the people yelled at him, "'but he only shouted louder. "'Son of David, have mercy on me.' And "'When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, "'Tell him to come here.' "'So they called the blind man. "'Cheer up,' they said. "'Come on, he's calling you.' "'So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, "'jumped up and came to Jesus. "'What do you want me to do for you?' Jesus asked." My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Incredible story of an instantaneous miracle, and we're going to unpack this as it relates to us right here and now in the current culture and climate that we find ourselves in. And so I want to just title this talk today, uh, simply this, eyes wide open, eyes wide open. Uh, if if you have seen or paid attention to anything going on in our world right now, it's chaotic. It's like the world has just got turned upside down on its head the last few years. And that has affected us. It's affected our psyche. It's affected our um, mentality. It's affected our mental state. And there's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of confusion. I mean, and everybody's talking about all of these things that are going on. And what I have found is throughout all of that, there's a hunger to know more about God, a hunger to know more about Him. But in the same context, there's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of angst. There's still a lot of uh, insecurity that goes along with this. And Jesus did a lot of His teaching. He did a lot of His training with the disciples and those that would listen about nurturing because his concept was that he wanted to nurture them with kingdom thoughts and ideas so that they would have a kingdom nature, that the nature of the kingdom would become second uh, dairy in their life. And so what is happening is he says things like seek first the kingdom because he knows that our second nature is going to be a kingdom nature. It just comes naturally to us when we are nurtured by kingdom ideas and kingdom thoughts and uh, kingdom philosophies. And so, as Jesus teaches his disciples, he wants them to realize that when you seek first the kingdom, everything else is going to be added. You don't have to worry about what you eat or drink or what you're going to wear. He said, just seek first the kingdom, and then all those things are going to be added to you. It's part of the kingdom development. It's part of the kingdom nurturing. And as Jesus is teaching, he shows them that there is a blessing that comes with looking and keeping our eyes open When we are searching for the king and his kingdom. And instead of getting caught up with the current culture and climate and the fear and the angst and the anxiety and the insecurity of all that's going on in our world. I want to refocus us back on who Jesus is, on what he wants for your life, and and back on the king and his kingdom. Because when our focus is on the king and his kingdom, all of these other things get pushed off to the side, and our focus is realigned and back on Jesus. In fact, Jesus tells the disciples he's in this teaching of the kingdom, and the disciples finally come to him in in Matthew uh, chapter 13. They're like, hey, show us, teach us the meaning of these parables of the kingdom of God. And Jesus looks at him and he says, there's some people that aren't going to be able to see it. There's other people that aren't going to be able to hear it. But he says this in Matthew 13 and 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. He said, There is a kingdom blessing on your life when you are following Jesus and you're looking for the king and his kingdom. Your eyes are blessed, your ears are blessed. And you have something that others wish that they had. And I want to remind you, child of God, I want to remind you, Jesus follower, that God wants your eyes to be wide open in this season. Not looking for fear, not looking for worry, not looking for another thing uh, to control our emotions through negative things that happen, but for a kingdom nature to arise within us because we're being nurtured by it. So blessed are your eyes Because they see the kingdom. Blessed are your ears because they hear the kingdom. There is a blessing that comes with it. And if we're only looking at the war that's going on, if we're only looking at the media and the stock market and our banking system, and maybe you're looking at your job or your coworkers or your family members or your health or your relationships, or all that you can see in the physical, And the reality is you are looking at things that can be affected by what goes on around you. You're looking at things that are not eternal, they're temporal and they can be affected. The stock market rises and falls. Family members have good days and bad days. Co-workers have good days and bad days. Your career comes and goes. Uh, the, the media, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's all of this, and if our eyes are only on the temporal, then we're missing out on finding and looking for the king and his kingdom. And if all you're looking for is the temporal, then anything that can be shaken will be shaken, and I'm telling you, the, the temporal has been shaken, and it's going to continually be shaken. But Jesus reminds his disciples that it is time that we get our eyes back on the kingdom, the things that cannot be shaken. His church, we're going to build his church this year, and his church cannot be shaken. In fact, the very gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. Let's keep our eyes on the king and his kingdom. In fact, I find a very interesting dialogue between Jesus and his disciples and Jesus is actually talking about his death, burial, and his resurrection, and he's in this this moment, and Peter gets all offended and up in arms, and he's like, No, that's not gonna happen. Like you're you're crazy. Stop talking like that. And it's the only time that Jesus ever calls his disciples Satan. And he calls Peter to his face. He's like, you're the devil. And it's, it's, it's an interesting dialogue, so I want to read Mark chapter 8 and verse 33 and unpack this just a little bit. He says, Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter, get away from me, Satan, he said. And this is the key, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. The only time Jesus looks and reprimands his disciple Peter and calls him Satan like you're the devil was not because Peter had a bad attitude. It was not because Peter was cross with somebody else in the team. It wasn't that Peter was not loyal. It wasn't that Peter had had too much ambition or or desire. It, it wasn't anything like that. It was that simply Peter's perspective, his viewpoint was of this world and not from God. And Jesus is frustrated with Peter because he's looking from the world's point of view, not from God's point of view. Did you notice that? The kingdom, blessed are your eyes and your ears because you're seeing and you're hearing the kingdom, but yet if you look from the world's point of view, There's a reprimand that comes, and there's a moment, a a testing of our heart and a testing of our character and what's going on on the inside if we're constantly viewing things and looking for things from a world's point of view as opposed to the kingdom's point of view. Now, in our text today, we read that, and I've just kind of been caught on this first phrase, and it says this, then Jesus reached Jericho. Then Jesus reached Jericho. And in the beginning of this chapter, Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom nature. Uh, you find there in the beginning of that chapter that there is a moment that children are coming to Jesus, and the disciples are telling him, "No, no, no! Jesus doesn't have time." And Jesus gets onto the disciples and is like, hey, you "No, know, no, let them come to me, because anyone who comes to me like a child, they have received the kingdom." Like, you can't even receive the kingdom unless you come to me like one of these children. And he's teaching about the kingdom and this point of view. And then a rich young ruler comes and, like, I've kept all the commandments. I've done all the do's and don'ts of the commandments that have been taught to me. And Jesus is like, Well, okay, great, but now go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young man's like, I can't do that and turns away very sorrowful. And Jesus is like, this is like the kingdom. It's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And he's talking about your treasure is actually already in heaven. There is, there is a moment that he's teaching about where your treasure is, where your heart is, the, the, the place where you invest, where your generosity goes. You can do all the do's and don'ts, but if you aren't willing to let go of the temporal things in your life, and that's not kingdom. That's not a part of his kingdom. That's not the kingdom viewpoint. And then he goes on to teach about servant leadership and, and the disciples are arguing who's going to be first in the kingdom and who's going to be at his right hand. And Jesus is like, no, the first is going to be last and the last will be first in the kingdom. And then Jesus reaches Jericho. And this just keeps playing in my head. Then Jesus reached Jericho. And in order to understand this point, we got... We have to rewind the tape to go back to Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. A Sunday school story that we have grown up on, that we have heard. It's it's the story of the Israelites, have they been delivered out of Egypt? And now they're marching in the Promised Land and they come to a walled city, a walled city that they had chariot races on. An impassable, impossible situation that they were facing. In fact, to the point where they were a little fearful and Joshua is a little timid. And the Lord commands him, be strong and be courageous because I'm with you. You're going to take the city. You're going to do this. They send in spies. And we see the whole story with Rahab and her family getting saved and finding hope through through this this message. And so it it just struck me because Joshua and the children of of Israel, are commanded to march around the walls of Jericho. And then, they're commanded on the last day to shout because God has given them the victory. To lift their voice and to shout. And the walls, when they shouted, the walls fell down flat. It's an incredible story how when you shout, God can do it. When you are obedient to what God says, even if it looks foolish, the faith from your shout produces the miracle. And it struck me. It struck me that there was a lingering spirit in Jericho. So I started diving into Jericho and and, and, and all of this. In fact, after Jericho falls, Joshua actually puts a curse on anyone who would try to rebuild Jericho. In fact, in Joshua 6 and 26, it says, at that time, Joshua invoked this curse. He said, may the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. And then in 1 Kings chapter 16, we find that there's a man by the name of Hiel who who begins to rebuild Jericho. He establishes the foundation and then his oldest son dies. Then when he hangs the gates on Jericho, his youngest son dies. Exactly what Joshua had placed the curse on. But there is a lingering spirit in Jericho that is found in our text in the New Testament. And where I'm going with this is simply this. What has been conquered needs to stay defeated. What battle have you fought that you have conquered? You are a conqueror. You're an overcomer. In fact, Paul says, don't be entangled again. Don't be ensnared again by these sins. Don't be caught up again. You have already won the battle. You've already won the victory. Don't don't allow what you have conquered to continually defeat you because what has already been conquered needs to stay defeated it's why David cut the head off of Goliath when he when he knocked him down it was that i'm going to make sure that what i have conquered stays defeated and so the question that i ask you today is simply this what battle are you fighting what thing are you you working towards what what city what prayer have you circled What big dream, what big idea have you been walking around that you have been circling that God is answering those prayers? He's doing those things. Maybe God has given you a word of hope for your your future, for your life, for your calling, for your ministry, and He has already allowed you to conquer Jericho. And Jericho needs to stay defeated. And what I find interesting about our text is that then Jesus reached Jericho and there was a blind man that began to shout. The same thing that happened in the original story with Jericho, that the walls came down when the people shouted. And now... There is a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus who is shouting at Jericho for Jesus, for the king and his kingdom. And he is shouting, but the spirit, the lingering spirit of Jericho was there because the enemy knows that the shout in Jericho can take walls down and the people began to quiet the blind beggar. Don't shout. Keep your voice down. Don't raise it. There's a lingering spirit in Jericho to keep the shout. And my first point is this. If we're going to have our eyes wide open for the king and his kingdom, we cannot let anything stop our shout. Don't let anything stop your shout. Don't let anything cause you to stop speaking up. Don't let anything cause you to stop shouting for the king and his kingdom. Jericho had already been conquered, but the lingering spirit of Jericho was to shut up the shout. And you have been called to fight the same battle and you're trying to use a different weapon, and God's like, I want you to use the same weapon. If the shout still worked in the Old Testament, the shout still works in the New Testament. If the shout worked at the original Jericho, it's going to work in the New Testament Jericho. What is it that you have had your shout stolen from you? What thing has caused you to be quiet? What what opposition has caused you to keep your mouth quiet? And God's like, no, don't let anything stop your Shout, you need to use the same weapon fighting the same battle. If you have noticed, the culture that we have found ourselves in is that there is a lingering spirit like Jericho, and it, it is called cancel culture today. That if you speak up, if you make your opinion known, and it is counterculture culture to, to the agenda of the world, then they will cancel you. They will cause your podcast to go off. They will cause you to be canceled from your television shows. They'll cause you to be canceled from your place of influence. And if we aren't careful, the cancel culture is pushing and weighing on the church. And I want to remind a child of God, a Jesus follower today, that we cannot allow cancel culture to silence our shout. We still need to call out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. There's a lost world around us. Don't let anything or anyone silence your shout. It's interesting that Bartimaeus could shout now in Jericho from victory, not for victory. Joshua told the people, shout for the victory. But once Jericho's been defeated, we shout from the victory because Jericho's already defeated. It's already conquered. It's already over. And so Bartimaeus is shouting for victory because he believes now that the king and his kingdom are here. The king was in the city, and once the king has reached the city, we cannot allow anything to shut up our shout. Number two, my second point in keeping our eyes wide open is this. We need to learn to throw it aside. When, When Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is there, he shouts. People tell him to be quiet. He shouts again. Jesus hears him and tells the people, tell him to come. I want to talk to him. And the people say, hey, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. And when Bartimaeus hears that he is being called, he stands up, he's still blind, he's still in need of a miracle, he's still in need of a touch from Jesus, but what does he do? He takes his coat and he throws it aside. He's still dealing with his issue. He's still dealing with this problem, but he takes a step in faith and takes his coat and throws it aside. Throwing aside one's cloak or coat may seem insignificant to us in our modern-day culture, but historical context shows that the cloak that Bartimaeus was wearing was probably a government-issued cloak to provide legitimacy to beggars. It was similar to a license for them to beg and collect arms, alms, and the cloak may have given Bartimaeus his right to beg. And probably protected him from the elements, but it was also the cloak that sealed his identity as a beggar. And if you notice, it says that it's the blind man, the blind Bartimaeus. He is identified by his limitation. But Bartimaeus has enough faith that he was unwilling to approach the king With the identity of his limitation, so he took it off before he ever got to Jesus. There was a faith step that he was not willing to allow his limitation to be shown to Jesus. And I want to know today that in our own context, in our own life right now, we will hang spiritual handicap signs on our lives, on our calling, on our ministry. We will hang these things. We will wear the coat of an identity of crisis that we have endured. We'll have reasons why we can't be used by God or can't do things or why we just can't get it together, why our marriages suffer, why our character suffers, why, why we suffer at home, why we suffer with our coworkers, why we are constantly in this. And we have reasons like, I was hurt or I was abused, or I have failure, or I'm dealing with inadequacy, or it's my age, I'm too young, I'm too old, maybe it's my background, or I'm just broken, or maybe I'm poor. And we hang these spiritual handicap signs on our lives. We wear the Coke of identity of a beggar, protecting us from the elements of the world around us, hoping that this spiritual handicap sign on our lives will protect us from people getting too close to us. But there is something that Scripture shows us that if we want to get to the king, we need to start taking off. We need to shed the cloak of the handicap sign. We need to be able to move on and throw it aside. You'll never be able to move up if you aren't willing to move on. You were not made for your excuses. You were not made for your reasons why you can't. Your eyes were made to look for the king and his kingdom. Your heart was made to connect with the king. And I believe that we are going to see the greatest moves of God and the setting free of generations if we learn to pursue God's presence over selfish ambition. If we will pursue God over a self-seeking mentality because the cloak gave him a self-seeking, a a moment that, hey, feel sorry for me. Hey, hey, uh, take take pity on me. I'm blind. I've got problems. I can't. Here's my limitations I need from you. And when we come to the king, we have to shed the cloak. We have to throw it aside because Jesus is about to liberate us from our limitation. So I want this question to haunt you this week. I want it to just marinate in your mind, and I want to ask this question today. When's the last time you jumped up and threw it aside in faith? When's the last time you made a leap of faith? When's the last time you jumped up? That's what the Bible says. He jumped up. Didn't take a step. He jumped. When's the last time you took a jump? When's the last time you jumped in in, in your finances and your giving? When's the last time you took a jump in your faith believing God for a miracle of healing? When's the last time you took a jump of your faith in, in, in prophecy and, and using of the gifts? When's the last time you took a jump in doing something drastic for the kingdom to see God's work alive in your heart? When's the last time you jumped up? When you jump up, it's time to throw it aside. When you take that moment and you make a decision, I am no longer bound by my limitation. I'm no longer identified by my limitation. Today, I am making a, a leap forward. I'm jumping up because Jesus is calling me to himself. And my third point with blind Bartimaeus, with having our eyes wide open for the kingdom because blessed are your eyes. And blessed are your ears, for they see and hear the kingdom of God. And my third point is this, is that doubt is optional. Doubt is optional. We've been conditioned to believe that doubt is necessary, that, that it, it just happens. And that's not, that's not the reality. The reality is, is that doubt is optional. Blind Bartimaeus had to have courage to jump up and believe that this Jesus could heal him and touch him. In fact, that's exactly what happens. They bring him, and they said, hey, Jesus is calling you. And as Jesus is calling him, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? You've been calling. You've jumped up. You've taken off your limitations. Now what do you want? Ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And the blind man says, I just want to see. I want my eyes to be open. I want to see clearer. I want to see the kingdom. I want to see the king and his kingdom here. So blind Bartimaeus did not allow doubt to stop him. He allowed courage to propel him. And courage today is not the absence of fear, but courage is simply obeying God in the midst of fear. And that's exactly what Bartimaeus did. Jesus said, come here, blind Bartimaeus, jumps up and goes. Doubt is optional. Courage is saying, I'm going to obey God when he is calling me into this. So let me talk to a team member. Let me talk to a leader. Let me talk to an individual that is wrestling right now with their ministry. Jesus is calling you to better things. He's calling you to greater things. Let me talk to an individual that is wrestling with their faith right now wondering if they can even make a difference wondering if following jesus is really worth it you've seen all of these other falsehoods but is this a real jesus let me say this today that doubt is optional and it takes courage to make a leap of faith to say yes to following jesus and jesus is saying come to me follow me I'll help you. I'll deliver you. I'll save you. I'll free you. I'll forgive you. I'll take care of all the things that's going on in your life. I will reset in you great things. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's obeying God in the midst of fear. Courage is doing what you are called to do even when you're afraid. I mean, Bartimaeus had to be afraid. He can't see what's going on. There's a crowd of people, noise everywhere. But courage would drive him forward to do what he's called to do. Jesus said, come. He could have just sat back and been like, ah, no, I'm not doing that. But he didn't. He had courage enough to leap up, to jump up, and do what he was called to do even when he was afraid. See, courage, courage is not an emotion, it's a decision. It's not what I'm feeling, but it's what I'm deciding. It's not, am I having a good day and I'm gonna be courageous? And if I'm having a bad day, I'm gonna be doubtful. No, no, no. Courage is not an emotion, it's a decision. And courage really has nothing to do with what's going on the outside of you or around you, but it has everything to do with, with what's going on on the inside of you. Because it's not about an emotion, it's about a decision. And I've realized through the story that Bartimaeus had great faith. Jesus said it's your faith that healed you. It was your courage to leap up. It was your courage to throw it aside. It was your courage to shout. It was your courage to take advantage of the situation. When the king reaches the city, it's your opportunity to make a decision of faith and courage. And faith can be stronger than your feelings and your emotions. Faith can outlast your circumstances. And then because of his faith, he received new eyes, and his eyes were open wide to see, and the first thing he sees is Jesus. When your eyes are wide open, the first thing you're going to see is the king and his kingdom. Today, today's a bad day for your enemy. Today's a bad day for Jericho. Today's a bad day for the opposition against you because you're going into this season. You're going into this battle. You're going into this fight. You're going into this with courage, with faith, with boldness, and you're going into it with your eyes wide open on the king and his kingdom. I want to pray for you today. No matter where you are on this scale, whether you are wanting to make a first-time decision or you've been away from Him and you want to come back or you're just praying that your eyes would become wide open to the King and His kingdom. You've been focused on too many other things, but today God wants to bring you back to refocus on Him and His kingdom. So I want to pray for you today. If you want to make a fresh start and say yes to Jesus, this is your opportunity. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that our eyes would be wide open to you and your kingdom. And I pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray today that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would cleanse us from any of our unrighteousness, our decisions and our regrets of living a lifestyle that isn't, isn't kingdom-minded or focused. And I ask that you would create in me a clean heart, that you would renew a bright spirit within me today, I want to follow you, the real Jesus. I don't want to follow a religion or a tradition. I want to follow you. You are the real Jesus, and you're the real deal. And I, today, am saying yes to following you for the first time or all over again. Today, Father, I'm praying for those that have been in this this battle of faith and courage that don't really necessarily even believe in themselves. They've actually convinced themselves that they're less than, and they've been wearing the cloak of insecurity and limitations, and today I'm praying that they would throw it aside, that they would walk in courage and boldness and new life today, that you would restore the calling that you have on their life. May they rise up in courage and in boldness to follow you with new direction and new authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, I'm encouraged. I love seeing what God's doing in you and through you. This year, we're going to build his church together. We're going to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be blessed. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.